The views and opinions expressed by each individual show host and or guest, whether on air or via social media, are those of the host and guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Fluent Radio staff, management, and or owners. Viewer discretion may be advised. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, now tuned into the greatest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Because I Have a Live Mic here on Fluent Radio. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode. We got a great show lined up for you. I'm going to talk about, uh, of course, we're going to talk about the fight that happened over the weekend with uh, Cam and the uh, 707 and why it was funny. And we get to the funny part, and then we'll get to the serious part later. Uh, we also going to talk about the NBA and who I think should be the MVP, but won't probably win it because of his team. And we got a whole bunch of other stuff. But I do want to get to this before we kick it off. Uh, of course, I want to talk about the NBA draft with the combine coming on. Uh, what is happening actually right now as we speak. The combine coming on. I did want to talk about this because I did my, my did my draft earlier in the year. Like I did it like, I want to say like before the Super Bowl happened. So I did that one, but then I did, you know, I'd be doing recent ones. So I just wanted to keep it fresh. Um, I did do one. Recently, because, of course, with everything going on with uh, Ryan Post talking about how they have to be blown away by a trade package to do trade the number one pick. But I do believe Justin Fields is out of there. I think I think they've traded him or I don't think they've traded him already. I just think they're waiting for like the right moment to like announce it. Right. They want to wait till the combine is over with to see what all they're going to get for him. But I think he's gone. I think he's Atlanta Falcon. Um, everybody's seen the video of him talking about maybe saying he's going home. I think he's an Atlanta Falcon now. I don't think anyone can dispute that. Uh, I think Atlanta probably traded most likely a number two and a number three, or you know, even though a number two or number four, something like that on the lines of, um, them recouping the trade for Montez Sweat. Uh, if he is an Atlanta Falcon, I think that's probably the best landing spot for him. He goes to a easier division in the South. He has a great offense already built there. He has a arriving defense, and I think a new head coach there in Atlanta would definitely help bring out his potential there. And I think again, it just fits best for him going back home, kind of restarting and refreshing his you know career, and going to Atlanta again. He's still on his fifth year contract, so he's still going to be relatively cheap. So he's not going to be too much for. The Bears to you know get so I think at the end of the day it's the best fit for the Chicago Bears to go there for uh for Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears because again it opens up of course you know the spot and while I do not think that okay let me rephrase that I personally believe that if he is already gone which is most likely true they will obviously draft a quarterback, right? Like, they're going to draft a quarterback. Um, but I think there's going to be another trade that happens too, right? Because with the trade of Justin Fields gone, that raises Caleb Williams' stock a lot more, right? Like, Caleb Williams' stock goes up through the roof now because now, you know, the Bears are, you know, arguably going to draft a quarterback. But now, if you could present a good enough trade packet, which at least, in my opinion, has to be, at least three first round picks going to the next, you know, two years. 
But I think the Bears also don't want to fall too far out of, you know, that top five. So I don't think, you know, I don't think, you know, Atlanta is going to trade up, especially if they get Justin Fields, Atlanta's not going to trade up. You know, you got somebody like the Jets who aren't going to trade up to get to there. You got teams like that who don't really need it, right? So, you know, you still want to stick into that first top five. So you got, of course, you got, you know, Chicago, you have the Commanders, you have New England, you have the Chargers. So it's somewhere in there. And, again, the Chargers aren't going to trade for a quarterback. They have Justin Herbert and they have Jim Harbaugh there, so that's fine. But I do believe that, you know, they could probably make a trade with, you know, New England or even the Commanders. Again, the Commanders have the best bet just because Cliff Kingsbury is their offensive coordinator there with, you know, the connection that they have from USC. I think they're the best bet for him. Again, his hometown is D.C. Again, the connection is there. The separation from the Snyders is even more further apart. So now it's going to be a refresh, and you want some. You want to get a quarterback to build around. And I think Caleb Williams is probably the best bet for the Washington Commanders to do it. I'll tell you this: for me and Caleb Williams, I don't dislike him. I just don't see the hype, right? Like I've seen his games, I've seen his tape, but I think trying to hype him up to be like the next Patrick Mahomes is really what's killing this kid. Like you're putting so much onto him that if he succeeds early, cool, it will be, you know, great. But if he fails, the downfall of it will be even worse because of that fact that you put so much pressure on him early on. And that's the dangerous part that if you put too much pressure on him early, you're kind of up, up the Creek without a paddle because if he's, if he fails early, right, like if he fails early coming out the gate, it's going to be looked upon as just like, oh, no, right? Like it's going to be looked upon that. And now if let's just say they don't, you know, especially being in the NFC East, if they don't succeed early and they tend to, you know, fail like they may have to, uh, what happens there, right? Because now you're in an upheaval, right? Like you start blaming the coaching staff, you start blaming uh people around the team right like you start blaming everybody else and then that's when it starts to creep in where I think where Caleb will start to kind of dissociate himself from a team where if he doesn't succeed early and often it will end up being the fact that he will be like okay now y'all could probably trade me up nope you know what I'm I want to be out of here right or it just starts to slowly but surely become an issue with him and then now it's well, what happens, right? Especially with a young head coach, right? Well, I don't think I would. Okay, let me phrase that. A new head coach in Dan Quinn, right? Like Dan Quinn, who, let's be honest, got this job by winging a prayer, right? Like he's on there by a string, right? They got him, you know, relatively cheap. They didn't want to promote Airbnb, right? Like they got Dan Quinn relatively cheap. So it's kind of set up to be a kind of one of those traditional Washington fails to where he doesn't really succeed that much. And let's be honest, Washington has always never really been set up to succeed. So I think if, if they do make the trade for him, it would have to be to Washington, but I think they can make a trade for him, even with new England. Um, but I will say this, right in my, in my draft, I had it going a little bit different just because I think it will work better for everybody um, I think New England ends up trading to number one. I think New England puts together 
a decent enough trade package to where they do jump up to number one. Now, again, this is the draft that I have uh, that generated itself. I didn't go through and do each individual one. I do the generated one I pick for the Bears, and that's about it because, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so this is what they generated for me. Again, I didn't say this was going to happen, but I think if if um, the New England Patriots do pick number one, I think they go Drake May. They say Drake May goes. Uh, I just think he fits New England a little bit more, even though they have Gerard Mayo there, new head coach, you know, new system. I just think some of those old New England habits will still bleed through, and I just think he fits that mold a little bit more. Uh, still has some athletic ability, still can make a lot of throws, but also is still questionable at some spots. You know, he's still growing, so I think – you get this rookie quarterback. You get with Gerard Mayo. I think you have both of them grow. I think this partnership could be very good going down the line. Uh, of course, Washington will go with Caleb Williams. Um, and then the Bears at three. So I have this, right? Like, I have the Bears going with arguably to me, who is probably the better quarterback prospect in the draft right now, which is Dalen Daniels out of LSU, right? Like, I think he is, to me, the best prospect Coming out, um, I know last year wasn't his best year. He really didn't have the offensive line that he wanted to in LSU. And I know a lot of people are more concerned about him running, which, again, he's not really a running quarterback because, like, in his whole his career in LSU, like, the his whole career there, he only had 617 rushing yards in his career. So he's not really a running quarterback. He's a pass-happy quarterback. He will pass the ball more. He can read defenses better. He can, you know, make every throw at every level from the short, middle, and deep pass, right? You put him together. Because, again, you put him with the Bears, who right now, if any rookie quarterback should want to go to the Bears because of the fact that they have a better offensive line, they have great weapons going in there with DJ Moore and Cole Komet, right? Like, they're going to have one of the top defenses going back into there, right? Like, in Ever since week 10, they've had a top 10 defense, right, going into there, right? They're going to have a full-year Montez Sweat, right? And then here's the thing, right? Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, our jobs are on the line this year, right? So I think they're going to put their best foot forward to try to make this not only palatable, but try to get to the playoffs and try to have that consistent success that we have been lacking from from the Chicago Bears. And I think any rookie quarterback who goes there is going to succeed early and often, right? I just think Jalen Daniels is probably the best fit for them because, again, he fits the mold there very well. He still can run with the football. He'll still have a top rushing offense, right? Like with if Khalil Herbert stays, you know, with uh, Roshan Johnson there, depending on who they go get from free agency, whether they go get a Josh Jacobs, whether they go get a Saquon Barkley, whether they go get Tony Pollard, or whoever they go get, I think will help that backfield out tremendously, but it will just add on to, again, one of the top rushing attacks in the NFL. And I just think Jalen Daniels fits the Bears a bit better than Caleb Williams does. Um, So for Arizona goes, of course, get Marvin Harrison Jr. I think if it's the first three picks are quarterbacks, I think the first non-quarterback off the board is Marvin Harrison Jr. I think he's the best prospect coming out of this year's draft. Um, another one of those guys who are freaking nature. He, you know, it's in his genetics. Of course, it's 
He's daddy is Marvin Harrison from you know, of course, Super Bowl champ Indianapolis Colts. Everybody knows him because he beat us in the Super Bowl. <laughs> that I will say, if the Bears end up do drafting Marvin Harrison Jr., that would be hilarious to be like, yeah, your daddy beat us, so we got you now, so you gonna get us a Super Bowl as uh, payback. Uh, I think the Chargers with with them going and getting Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is going to want to pass the ball a lot more, so they need to shore up that offensive line to kind of keep Justin Herbert upright. So I think Joe Alt out of New Notre Dame is going to be there. I think he fits well. I think he's going to help with that offensive line. He'll keep, again, Justin Herbert safe and keep him healthy, so that way we can finally see this Chargers offense you know, actually explode a little bit more. Uh, speaking of going out and get offensive line, New York goes out and get an offensive line to kind of help whoever will be in that backfield, right? Whoever's going to be in that backfield for the New England, uh, for the New York Giants, depending on if they go with uh, Danny Dimes, if they go get uh, like maybe go get a Kirk Cousins to kind of be that bridge quarterback until they can get another quarterback. I definitely think they go get uh, J.C. Latham out of Alabama. I think he's another big, strong tackle that can anchor that offensive line. Get get it together a little bit more So that way they can keep them healthy Because again, I don't know if New York is in a rebuild mode this year But it feels like it You know, they don't trust They don't trust Danny Dimes like that Saquon is most likely either going to be traded Midway through Midway through this offseason Or, you know, just walk uh, I don't think they franchise tag him again I think he probably either wants to walk or gets traded So they're going to be basically rebuilding and they need a cornerstone offensive line to kind of help that, right? Like, they need somebody on that offensive line that is going to help them, you know, get it together. So, I think they go J.C. Latham. I think Tennessee. Now, Tennessee is in a weird place because, again, we don't know what we have in Will Lovitz. We don't know what he is just yet. So, I think you go and you get him a surefire weapon again. The best thing for a young quarterback is probably a tight end. So Brock Barrows out of Georgia is probably the best bet for him. It gets him a weapon. He's a great blocker and tight end. He's a great pass catching. Again, as a second-year quarterback, young quarterback, your best friend is always going to be a tight end. And I think he helps them out a whole bunch. Again, being able to... I don't want to say be the primary weapon there because, again, we don't know what DeAndre Hopkins is going to do. Uh, we don't know where that's going to fold out to. We don't know where Derrick Henry is going to go. So they may be – they're also in a rebuilding mode too. So you go and you get a good, strong weapon for Will Levis to kind of either show that he's the number one quarterback going in the future there or if, you know, they can start building and have a weapon there that will help him in the future. Now, number eight, number eight is very interesting, right? Because if, I'll say this, if, let's just say, if the Bears don't go, uh, don't go Jay Daniels, if they go Caleb Williams off board, right? Jalen Daniels would fit best with Atlanta, but I think the problem is they already have, like, if, you know, if they don't have Justin Fields, they're going to go quarterback, right? But with Justin Fields, the one thing you want to do with him is, again, you want to get him a better offensive line. And Atlanta had a very good offensive line going forward without question. They had a very good offensive line. But I think they want to shore it up just a little bit more so they don't do get um, a Fume, a Shume. 
out of not Schumann, uh, Fashu out of Penn State, the offensive tackle there. You go get him, sure up that offensive line a little bit more, uh, help open up a lot of holes more for Bijan and Justin Fields. Have him so that way he can get to guys like Drake, uh, Drake London, and you know Kyle Pitts. Have it open up, you know, set that offensive line together, get that offensive line started, and get it strong because if. Like I said, if Atlanta wants to be a threat, not only in the South, but also in the NFC playoffs, because, again, they were rolling, and then their quarterback play just crapped out on them. So, like, we'll see how this works if they do that. Um, So, we don't know how it will work. I think, again, they got to shore up that offensive line a little bit more. And just, like I said, they have the weapons there already. It's just once it's shored up with the offense, there should be fine. Now, for number nine, of course, you got the Bears going with number nine. Now, I don't know how the, if this will work. I don't. I highly doubt this will work. I don't think he will end up falling this far in the draft because, again, I just don't think it will happen like that. But if somehow Malik Neighbors falls to number nine, I think the Bears should be all over it, right? Like, again, if you go get Jalen Daniels, and you go get uh, Malik Neighbors. I think that works out the best. Again, it worked. Let's, let's look at the last LSU quarterback combination that was that's in the league right now, right? Like you look at the best right now, which is Joe Burrows and Jamar Chase, right? Now I'm not saying that they'll be on that level, but what I am saying is that. The connection will be there, right? You won't have to worry about him. Malik Neighbors is already a day one starter, right? You have a guy in uh, Jalen Daniels who has questions on him. So you go get a receiver that he's familiar with. You go get a receiver that he knows. You go get a receiver that he that knows how to play with him, right? And again, Malik Neighbors is probably the second best receiver going to come out of this draft this year. Behind Marvin Harrison Jr. And I just think, again, he is... Arguably the best fit if you do go the Jalen Daniels route, right? Because again, boom, you got the connection there automatically, right? It's again, I just don't think he'll fall that far to nine. I think a few other teams will go with him, but if he falls that far to nine, hop on it like crazy. And the Jets need to go and get sure up that defense. Uh, if though, first they need to sure up that offense line, but again, I don't think any offensive lineman will be left. That will be worth it in that top 10. Um, they need to, you know, so if they don't trade up to go get one of those tackles before they're all gone, I think they go and show up their defense and get the kid out of US, uh, US, UCLA. I think Latu will be a great end. If Bryce Huff walks in the offseason, which I believe he will, they go show that up and kind of help with that defense. Again, I think they should trade up. With somebody in that top 10 or top, you know, five or in that middle, probably somewhere around there, maybe six, maybe trade with the Chargers to try to hop up there to get a tackle because they need to shore it up. Because this year, if I'll say this, Robert Sala is under a lot of fire, especially this year, right? Because they did a big trade to go get Aaron Rodgers. He gets hurt on the first play of the, you know, the year. And it was because that offensive line was not as put together put together well. And it was a lot of people it was a lot of fault of, you know, the Jets organization spending money on things that they didn't really need to spend money on, going out and get I don't want to say washed receivers, but just going out and getting receivers that Aaron Rodgers was so used to, like Alan Lazard, they kind of wasted their money there instead of shoring up that offensive line. 
if they can't trade up to go get a offensive tackle in that top, you know, top five or even in that like top eight, they are really going to be in trouble, right? Because the offensive line is kind of thin this year, right? Like outside of Powers out of Oregon, it's not nobody else that kind of really stands out in this uh, draft this year, right? Like, and there won't be any true, you know, big time picks up in, you know, free agency. So they really need to sure up that offensive line, especially if they want to make this Super Bowl run with Aaron Rodgers. Because again, you don't know how long Aaron Rodgers has left in the tank. Not that saying that he's going to be bad or anything else, but you just don't know how long Aaron Rodgers wants to play, right? Like he's made his money. He's got a Super Bowl. He's got his um, Hall of Fame uh, first round ticket already going there. He's going to be the first round, first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about that. You just don't know how long left he wants to play this game. And if this year they don't at the very least get to, I want to say the AFC championship game, I think Robert Sala's gone. I think they start this whole thing over again. So we'll see. But I definitely think they need to bump up if they want to go and make a run. If they don't make a run for it, I think they definitely go and get um, the ta- uh, the, ta- the end out of um, UCLA. So I'm only going to do my top 10. I'll do my I'll do the rest of the draft a little bit later once I do a little bit more like in-depth research. And so especially now with the combine still going on, like once they kind of get all those numbers and kind of go back in and kind of redo it. And then by, by the combine, we should finally figure out what's going on with the Bears if they traded Justin Fields, if they didn't, you know, what's going on, how and how that plays out. But I'll go a little bit more into that later on. But speaking of drafts and mock drafts, can we please like put this to bed right now? Like, Bronny is not a one and done player, right? Like, so LeBron James Jr. has been playing at UC, uh, uh, USC for a while, right? He's not lighting the world on fire that a lot of people predicted it to be, which it's weird, right? Because so like it's it's weird to watch it because I've seen this twice now. Because again, fun fact of. Uh, when I forgot which Jordan son was it? It was one of them that went to Whitney Young. I forgot which son went to Whitney Young, but I was able to watch him play because he beat us in the championship game. You know, I'm not hurt about it. I don't care. He beat us in the championship game, and you can see like the people who were just like, "Oh, he's gonna go here, and he's gonna be the first Jordan to, you know, make it. You know, first Jordan to make it into the league." And then he didn't really pan out in college. And I think the problem is is that. That was kind of like the starting point of this weird obsession that people have with like kids, especially like NBA legend kids playing basketball, right? Because I remember like when Bronny was in like Sierra and it was just like everybody was showing up. You had like NBA legends there. You had like, it was like so weird to, and I've always been one of those dudes who have been like, stop trying to put like these weird like, expectations on like high school and college kids especially kid who damn near didn't even play basketball because of a heart condition right like like people forget that like the fact that this kid is still on the court playing without the way his heart was set up and how he almost didn't play basketball for a while y'all are weird but I think the problem is I'll say this the problem is LeBron put too much pressure on Bronny right 
Because it was always like, I want to play with my son. You know, I'm staying into the league till he gets here. You know, I want to play with him. Any team that drafts him is going to get me. And, like, I feel like Bronny kind of had a lot more pressure on him to succeed and succeed early because it was supposed to be, like, him go to uh, USC, kind of figure out how to be a pro, and then jump right to the league. But, like, the problem was always, like, LeBron James Jr. is not – I don't want to say he's terrible at basketball, but I just don't think he's ready to make that jump just yet. I think he needs to be in USC at the very least until his junior year before he can come out. Right? Like I think he needs that just to kind of polish himself and make himself a better. Like you can see flashes of it, right? Like you can see flashes of the player that he will be. Like you can see the flashes of like, you know, when he makes the, you know, the chase down blocks or, you know, the steals or the assist or you can see it in it, but it's still very much not there just yet, right? Because it, it's always a jump going from high school to college, right? Because in high school, again, especially where you were at, where you were the number one guy there, you were better than a half of a lot of these kids, right? Going into college to where they are still, here are some guys that were three, four, and five-star players going out of it. Now they're playing against you, and now it's just like, oh, if I do, you know, if I get up, if I get up on LeBron's son, I'm gonna be on ESPN, right? People gonna know me, so you always gonna get people's best game. But I just don't think he's ready to make that jump. And I think people who are trying to be like, no, 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 he got to make the jump now. You know, if you don't, he's soft. I'm like, like, bro, he like he's not good, right? And I think people want to do that so that way they can kind of just have that extra thing to pile on LeBron and be like, see, even his son is bad at basketball, which is always gonna be weird, but. I just think Bronny needs to stay in there another year or two to kind of truly become good before he can hop out. Because it's not like, again, it's not like he needs it, right? Like a lot of these kids need to do the one and done because they're already pro ready, right? Some of them are pro ready. He's not pro ready just yet. So let it chill out. Um, since it since we are talking about the NBA, I do want to talk about this. Uh, we're going to talk about a little awards. I really only talk about like, three awards this time though because oh really three because like one of his most improved and I think Kobe White has that locked up I think Kobe White has definitely been the most improved basketball player we've seen in a while uh I remember like at the beginning of the year it was you know trade Kobe White get him out of here you know what we can do see what we can get for him then Zach goes down and Kobe White comes off the bench and he's been like averaging I think like 18 and 8 a game and he's kind of made that explosion to where, like, we can see what people were uh, thinking when they had Kobe White on the Bulls. And he's definitely become the most improved basketball player on the Chicago Bulls and in the NBA in a while. And it's like, kind of got robbed from the All-Star. But again, I tell everybody, who are you going to take off of the All-Star for point guard? Nobody. Uh, but he's definitely been the most improved basketball player coming out of it. Now, what I will say, one of my favorite matchups to watch is going to be Rookie of the Year between Chet and Wimby. I'll tell you this. A lot of people say that they don't. there's no real beef in the NBA anymore. There's beef between them two seven-footers. Like, there is true beef. Like, because every time, you can see it. Every time Wimby gets on the court with um, Chet, he looks at him like, this is the cat y'all think is better than me? This is the cat? Oh, I'm sorry, wait, I'm first turn. Oh, ha, ha. This is the cat that you think is right after me. Oh, ha, ha. Right? Like, like you can see it. And, like, Chet and Wembley be going at it. They be going at it. And it's so fun to watch. And, uh, yes, Chet is 
eligible for rookie of the year because of the fact that he didn't play any of his first, you know, year when he was drafted last year. So he's eligible to get rookie of the year this year. Um, I think it will be Wembley. I just think the the notoriety and you know the media presence on him is just too big for him to you know not get it. I think arguably Chet is having the better year with you know being the fact that they're like the number two seed in the West. You know they're more likely to make the playoffs to kind of have maybe that dark horse deep run than the uh, Spurs are. Um, but I just think Wembley will, I think it's not going to be as close as people like want it to be, right? Like, I think it's going to be a little bit more, uh, it's going to be neck and neck for a while until like either someone gets hurt or, you know, Wemby has this like a terrible game and Wemby hasn't had that just yet. But if it's come down to it, I definitely think it should be Wembley. Uh, I just think he's the better player for right now. I think as time goes on and if, they get to a spot where not only Chet and Wembley are both going to be better. Like, I want to see this as a playoff series, right? Like, I want to see this in seven or, you know, seven or six games to where, like, we see, truly get to see just those two go go at it, right? Like, right now, like, we really only got to see it. You know, we're only going to see it, what, what, I think, two more times this year before it's all said and done. But I think Wembley wins it easily. Uh, I think, unfortunately, like I say, it's just too much media coverage. I think he's just the darling of the NBA right now, so I just think it's it's that much. But I think Chet will have probably the better career going forward, just because of the fact that he has you know SGA on that squad, you know the other kid on that squad, which we will not name. And I think he's just going to have more playoff runs than like Wembley will. By the time the Spurs kind of get it together, I assume it will be too. Not too late, but I think the gap would be too big there for it. Um, and then the other race I want to talk to you about is, like, the MVP race, right? I think MVP – I think a lot of people believe that the MVP is kind of locked up already. Uh, I think right now with the fact that, you know, MB is hurt so much, so he's probably going to miss it and he's not going to be eligible for it thanks to the 65-game rule. I think it's going to be the Joker this year. Uh now you do have your dark horses. Again, I will sit there here and continue to say that Jalen Brunson should be definitely in the conversation for MVP. I think he's turned the Knicks around into not only a not only to a relevant team, but actually compete for like a title, not the NBA title, but I think he could definitely compete for the East title. Uh, I just I put him up there. You have SGA, who again, who's come alive this year, who's you know proven to be. One of the better players right now, again, he's got his team number two in the West, who's been playing phenomenally. Uh, again, a dark horse for, you know, dark horse to kind of even knock out the Nuggets to go back to the NBA title. So you have, of course, Jason Tatum, who <laughs> Jason Tatum. So Jason Tatum and Giannis both being in the MVP, MVP race to me is kind of laughable just for the pure fact that they're neither one of them are going to win it because I don't think neither one of them are going to go that far in the playoffs. I think Giannis hurt himself really with this uh, recent run, you know, with Doc Rivers, the whole thing with him and the coach getting fired, hiring Doc Rivers, and now him not really playing at the level that a lot of people expected them to be at. And then Boston is just, again, Boston is good right now, but I don't think people – think that they're ready to win the title just yet it's still a little off 
Uh, but the person I think that is the dark horse to win it and should probably win it, but the team is holding him back is Luca. I think Luca is arguably one of the better players this year, right? Like he's number one in points, number three in assists, number three, number two in shooting, uh, three point shooting. He's like shooting fifty from the field. Luca is arguably the best player right now in the NBA. I just think the problem is his team is holding him back, being that they're only the eighth seed in the West, right? I think again, if Luca was just to say Trey places with just to say Trey places with the Thunder, right? Like if they were number two, if they were challenging, you know, uh Jokic for the number one spot, if they were up there, you know, with them balling and the team was cohesive and everything, I think it would have been a little bit easier to be like, no, nah, Luca probably deserves it more. But just for the fact that Luca is putting up these numbers and their team is still like, I think they're number like fifteen in scoring altogether. I think they're like fifteen in point differential rating. I think they got a plus one point, which which means they only really beat teams by like one or two points. So it's not like a big gap in there. Whereas the Nuggets, I think point differential is I believe like thirteen or ten. Is plus I think it's plus like thirteen. So they beat teams by like thirteen. I think that problem right there is the reason why Luca won't be highly considerate, right? Like he'll be in there obviously for the numbers, but I don't think like the voting or MVP race will be like Luca will win it. And it's upsetting because of the fact of I've always said give it to the guy on the team to where they wouldn't be where they were without him, right? Like I don't see I don't see the Denver uh, not Denver, the Dallas Mavericks being eight, right, without Luka. Like, if you were to take Luka off of this squad, they're not there, right? Kyrie's been hurt too much on and off this uh, this team. There's nobody really else there to kind of carry it, right? Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is good, but he's not like, eh. I think if the only way for Luka could kind of win it if he comes alive this last few, you know, the last few months of the NBA season, right? If he's able to take that team from eighth to probably like six, right? I know that's a big jump, but if he's able to do it, that kind of puts him back into that. That kind of vaults him over Joker to me because of the fact that he was able to kind of basically lift this team up out of, you know, the squower, you know, lift him out of poverty and put him back into like – you know, a top team, you know, a top six team. I don't think he can do it. And it's so weird because of the fact that it's not even like Luca's fault, like really because of the fact that he's not even surrounded by like distraction, right? Like Kyrie, as bad as Kyrie's distractions have been, he hasn't really been that loud this season, right? Like he has, he's really been more focusing on basketball. It's just, I think Luca once again has to put a lot of it all on his shoulders and it's, you know, not failing to where he's, you know, about to be bounced out of the playoffs. You know, he's not going to be in the playoff or to play in, but he shouldn't be, you know, battling for just to be in a play in spot if he's the MVP favorite, right? Like he should be up there, you know, trying to get to that top spot or trying to get, you know, number three or number two. And I think that's the reason why it's going to hold Luca back a little bit more, which is, again, completely understandable. But now I think with the Mavericks, you know, again, Mavericks changing new hands with new ownership going to be there. We'll see what's going to happen because, again, they got to kind of keep Luka happy because they don't want to turn this into another Dirk thing where 
Dirk is there all those years and only really wins one title, right? Like, I don't know if Luka is going to have, like, that patience of Job that Dirk had, right? Like, he was going to stay with one team for forever, right? I don't think Luka will stay there if he doesn't really win a title in probably in the next three years, right? Like, I think Luka, again, his contract is still for that period. That's what I'm saying. If he doesn't win a title or is he challenging for a title like like he was, like, two years ago, I don't think he stays there. I think Luka's going to be up out of there. And the problem is, like, which is so weird because Dallas isn't that hard of a market to kind of recruit people to come to, right? Like, you get to play with Luka. You're in Texas, so no state tax, right? Like, you have – you got Dallas here. You got Houston there. You got, you know, close – you got the beach. You got everything you need there. And it's so weird that Dallas is very hard to kind of get people to come play with. So, if – Luca wants to be considered in the MVP conversation. He's got to do more to kind of get them over there. Um, but I think Joker had just locked up. I think he's going to be a three-time MVP. Uh, I just think, again, it's so funny to watch a guy, you know, about to win probably another MVP, probably go to another finals and probably be a back-to-back champ, and he still doesn't care about it. Like, that's the funniest thing. Is like, he just doesn't care. He's just there. Uh, so... I just think I'll say this. I, while as much as I would love to see Joker win, I kind of want to go to Shea. I kind of wanted to go to Shea uh, out of the Thunder. I think he's slowly but surely turning into one of the better players in this uh, league, right? To come from last year, to come from like what, seven, the seven seed bounced out to now, you know, the number two seed, you know, battling it out with, you know, uh, Minnesota and like, the Nuggets and kind of trying to be in that top scene. Cause again, I trust them more than I do trust I Minnesota, right? Like I trust them way more than I trust Minnesota. I think the reason why I left Anthony Edwards out of the conversation is because I don't really trust him like that. Right? Like I trust that the Thunder will kind of get to at the very least a second round, right? I don't trust that if the if they stay at number one Minnesota and let's just say, you know, the Lakers fall into the AC. I don't trust that they can beat them. I, the Lakers could beat Minnesota, right? Or if, God forbid, you know, the Warriors get there, right? The Warriors could beat them too, right? Because, again, you let LeBron, you let Steph into the playoffs, They'll. it's always one of It only takes one moment. You let them in the playoffs, that's all it takes. And the next thing you know, we're looking at another run. Because I think – for the first time, the number one seed in the West is very weak, and which has always been, you know, considered the wild, wild West is always considered very hard. And I just don't think Minnesota has enough of a dog in them to kind of put teams away that they should, right? Like, Cat is good, but he he doesn't have that in him. That's why Anthony Edwards stepped up. And if Anthony Edwards is always constantly having to put it, you know, put it on himself to do it, I don't know if it lasts that long. So, again, if if it came down to it between um, the Thunder and the Minnesota Timberwolves, I'm going with Thunder all the time because, again, we've seen that Shea has the capability of putting it away for him and putting teams away. And then, like I said, Chet, Giddy, they have the team there that can be that can be a threat for the West for a while. But we'll see if they can knock out the Thunder. Um, nah, we'll see. And then, like I said, I just think, 
And as far as the East goes, like, again, it's still a two-horse race, right? Like, I think the East with Boston, with, um, you know, if uh, Joel Embiid comes back, you may have a three-headed monster there, but I just think it's two-headed race right now. We're between Boston and Milwaukee to where we'll see who's going to come out of there because I don't think the gap there is too big for those other teams to kind of cover it in that short of a time frame, right? If, if Joel Embiid comes back, then that gap will – Close a little bit with the Sixers, but I just think between any other team is not going to be as deep as a lot of people think it is. Because I do think the the Knicks have the capability of playing at a high level against the you know against those top teams. But I just if Julius Randle doesn't do his disappearing act like he has done in the last two rounds of the like the last two times they've been in the playoffs, so where he's been playing great, he's been averaging twenty and ten, he's been you know playing at a you know an All Star level, an All Pro level, but then in the playoffs he disappears. If he doesn't disappear and he gives you know if he gives you know at the very least ninety percent of himself in the playoffs, then Jalen Brunson. The help they have around it with Dante uh, Vivincenzo, Josh Hart, you know, OG, right? Like they have the team there that can make a deep playoff run and kind of give Boston, kind of give Milwaukee, kind of give Philly a real threat for their money, right? Like they can go in there and kind of, you know, basically win a lot of those series or at the very least push them to like game seven. So if, again, Julius Randle is kind of the key that makes this offense go, right? If he doesn't disappear, then, yeah, they're good. But if he disappears, you know, and you have to rely on Jalen Brunson to, like, drop, you know, 40, 50 points in the playoff series each night to kind of win it, I don't know. It doesn't – it won't vote well for them. Because, again, if they are hitting on all cylinders, they could be ending up in the Eastern Conference Finals. And you never know. Again, it only takes one moment for one of those teams to knock it out. But who knows? Speaking of knockout, um, I do want to talk about this. I've been waiting all show to talk about this. The fight that happened at the um, at Cam Newton's little football camp. Uh, okay, let me get the ser- let me get the series out the way first before I have fun with this, right? Like the seriousness is this is the problem that we have with the AAU and the seven on sevens, and the reason why I'm glad this show is so on so late, like you have time to kind of let everything like come out and settle down because at first it looked like it was he was fighting the kids and the kids was you know going crazy. I don't want to just like like no, he wasn't fighting kids because I seen him. Yeah, actually grab a grown man and throw him around. Um, but so we finally got everything come out. So basically what happened was people was in their fifis about stuff. People got a little upset. And of course, you know, when you get upset, you want to decide you want to swing off on people. Now, granted, I don't know. Who, now, again, congratulations on them for trying to stand no business for swinging off on them. Like you talk that talk. You had to walk the walk. I, I give them credit for doing it. Cause a lot of people will talk all that mess, but then don't do nothing when the time comes to it. But the problem I have with it is this is the happens when you have those AAU or those seven Oh sevens. And you have those parents who always, who, especially those dads who never can let it go that they never made it to like the league. Right. Like you have those dude, you know, you got those dudes there who was always like, 
you know, you know, if I didn't do this or if I didn't get caught up in this, I would have been in the league too. I would have been one of the greats too, right? Like it's always one of those places where I would have been if it wasn't for this or this person maybe like, bro, you just weren't that good at certain points, right? Like some, yeah, some people have it to where if they didn't tear their ACL in high school, they probably would have been great. Uh, but a lot of y'all was just average at that. And like, y'all can't let it go because y'all have this deep seated uh, insecurity about like, I could have played. So then y'all push these weird feelings on y'all kids. And now those kids will go to like AAU camps or 707 camps and be like, because they're the best players on their teams and they think, oh yeah, I'm gonna lock you down. Like I've seen like cats go to like 707 camps and like, we'll talk all of that smack. We'll talk every mat, every smack talk you want to think of. But then when they get on the field, they get burnt every time and they have every excuse. Like you guys have to know that all of this talk will eventually have to come on the field. And if you can't back it up, it's not good, right? Like, y'all can say whatever you want, right? When Steve Smith was talking trash, he was backing it up, right? When Josh Norman and uh, Richard Sherman was talking trash, they were backing it up because they were so good at it. You can't talk trash and not be good at the same time. That's the worst type of trash talk, right? If you're not good at your, tra- if you're not good and then you trash talk, you look silly and you look stupid. And that's the problem with a lot of these AAU camps is that nobody ever tells these kids like you have to know when and where to talk smack, right? If you talking smack, but you getting locked up this entire game or you getting burnt on like almost every play, it's not worth it, bro. It is not worth it. And again, I just think it comes from like the parents not being able to let it go or let it, you know, let the past be the past, right? They always hold on to it, right? Like, so if you ever see them, like, if you ever see them go to, like I said, I always call them, like, the YMCA All-Stars where they go there, like, the scouts be out there watching them play. They be trying to call everything. I'm like, bro, like, it is a YMCA game. Like, bro, it's play. Like, this is the true blood, no no blood, no foul league right here, right? Like, you out here trying to finesse and do the Euro step and spin and all that. Like, bro, chill, chill. You're not going to get ESPN. Like you, it is not that serious. And the key thing is, and the thing I, I dislike the most, and I don't want to take it here. Cause like everybody's been like, well, they don't do that at Eli's camp. They don't do that at Peyton's camp. They don't do that at Tom Brady's camp. They don't do that over here. Like, bro, like, yeah, they're not going to do it there because they normally don't get invited there. That's why Cam had those camps there. Right. And the problem is like with the, with it being the parents, and with it being that now like your faces are going to be everywhere because again it used to be a level of shame when that happens right when like you got into a fight against somebody and it was on the internet it used to be a level of shame now these dudes are out here on podcasts talking about like yeah you know uh you know it was like this and we sorry for everything it caused like that because they know they might have messed up their kids future right they might have been like for now Every time someone Googles up their name, that's the first thing that's going to happen. That's the first thing that's going to pop up, right? Like, that's the first thing that they're going to see when a coach or recruit or a scout comes to watch your kid play, right? Not the play on the field, how they acted and how you acted to a guy going there to help your kid get some, you know, clout, get some uh, light on him, get some scouts going to him, right? Because some of these kids, you know, some of these kids are not, like, five and six five or uh, four stars like a lot of these kids go to these camps are like three and some are even two stars some are even no stars right like they go to these camps to kind of get their play out there because they go to like maybe a smaller school 
or they go to a school that doesn't that's not like a you know again a football powerhouse right like they go to a school that may have you know might have won a title you know in the past 10 years right or you know something like that and they don't get the recruitment that a lot of these other schools will get right so that's why they go here so you took the shine off of them you took the shine away from some of those kids who probably won't get that again because y'all got upset because they were talking trash y'all got mad because they were you know they were probably either talking trash about you or they talked, you talk trash about them and then they got burnt. And then, like I said, you got in your feelings, right? Cause here's the thing, Cam going to talk. <laughs> like we have already established the fact that Cam going to talk. I mean, y'all just seen some of the, af- the, the uh, outfits Camden had. Y'all know he going to talk. Y'all know this. Y'all didn't seen this. I just seen the video of the kid saying like, Oh, you know, I, you know, I can pick you off. And like, you don't ever see it pick off, right? Like I seen the video of the kid talk about like you washed up, you a bum. I can pick you off, right? And Cam said, "Cool, you can pick me off. I'll pay your, uh, I'll pay your parents' mortgage." And he didn't pick him off because y'all keep thinking that because he's retired or because he's you know not on the team that he still can't play the game, right? Like, let's stop this. We didn't discuss this before. Stop trying to think just because these cats don't play anymore that they soft. They is not like that, but. In the long run, I just think I hope that this doesn't I don't think this will affect Cam to where he doesn't do these events anymore. I think what's gonna happen now is just he's just gonna be a little bit more smarter on like who he brings to it and how he holds, you know, how he holds conduction there, right? Like in how you kinda have to make sure that you kinda tamper that down and make sure that's you throw a wet blanket over it, basically like kind of keep it cool because, you know, again, these are high you know, tension areas to where, again, it could really be an issue where it could have went south real quick. Cause again, somebody could have went to their car and got something else. And then this could have been a very serious subject, right? Like it went from being um, pretty funny to like, could have been pretty sad if, if that happens. Now let's talk about the fact that y'all had, y'all tried to jump a man and didn't even knock him down. It took seven. How in the blue hell does it take seven people to jump a man and you don't even knock him down? Cam, I swear to God, I thought Cam had four arms when he was fighting because Cam had one dude in the headlock holding another dude back. And then literally, I'm not even joking here. He was the true definition of I'm going to beat you with him. He was beating another man off with another dude. Right? Like the dude of the dreads who was out here talking about, yeah, man, I had Cam. Like you was against the fence, bro. Like, he had one dude in the headlock and was swinging you at the same time. Like, guys, guys, Cam is 6'6", 250, and was running over guys in the NFL, right? He was taking hits from guys like Brian Erlacher and Ray Lewis. You think you are going to go up here and take him down? i sadly mistaken, bro. Like, all I saw was Cam swinging the man around. It was so funny. Security, where was you at? What was y'all antennas at when y'all seen? Y'all ain't seen this happen? Like y'all didn't like y'all didn't notice when all of these things slowly but like this is what happens when you don't hire proper security, right? Like I'm not saying Cam didn't hire proper security, but he clearly didn't hire security from the hood. Cause you know hood activities. When you see people, you know, slowly, surely going up there. Cause I'm pretty sure somebody was pulling up their pants and taking off their book bag. The moment I see that, I'm like, oh no, it's a fight. You all like again, we all know the signs of when a fight about to happen. When you see a bunch of people walk up, somebody got the hoodie up, somebody's pulling their pants up. 
taking stuff off. Like, no, nah, this is the fight. That's the fight. Time to go. Time to go. But no, it was funny to watch it though. Like that was funny. I'm like, how's that? like it took six, seven people to jump Cam and he didn't even fall down. Like, imagine like trying to jump somebody and then you have to be pulled off by security and just go back to your um UPS job saying, like, how did you jump Cam and lose? How did you have seven people lose a fight against one dude? And and the worst part about it is Cam was so careless about it because again, he didn't even get on the podcast to talk about it. He was just like, Yeah, it happened. Like everybody's up there, like, you know, everybody wanted to take it seriously. You had Shannon Sharp up there. Oh, if it was me, I would shut it down the first time. Disrespectful. Like, yeah, I get it. I mean, we had the serious moments. But let's talk let's take it for what it was in a brief moment. It was funny. It just I hate that it happened during Black History, but you know, it is Black History Month, but it is what it is. But that's a true moment in Black History when you try to jump somebody and it don't work and you still gotta go the next day to work and be like, damn dog, what happened? Like you had to look you gotta look at everybody like, damn dog, you good? But no, but but no, nah, bro. Uh again, it's just <laughs> one last time for the serious though. Like for future references, right? Like again, and this goes for like basketball and football, right? If you have a guy who's going to like have a, a camp there to try to make your kid better, your you know, player better, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, of uh, learn how to, you know, take some criticisms, right? Because I think the problem also is is that we have gotten to the point to where coaches can't even really like criticize a kid anymore, right? Like I've seen like coaches like you know, again, one of my favorite coaches to watch is the, kid, the coach off of Last Chance U where he'd be basically berating them. And, like, people were just like, he goes too far, right? Sometimes the players make mistakes. Like, I'm like, bro, like, what are you talking about? Like, the coach, like he went soft on them. Hell, my coach was worse to us. Like, like we messed up. We, I remember one time we got – we let a team score 17 points. We had to score – we had to run – what was it? 10 and 100s and 750s because we let them score 17 points because he didn't think that they were better than us and we let them score that much. This was after practice, right? Like, y'all have gotten to the point where y'all have kind of wussified coaching to a degree to where if he yells at the kids too much, he's a bad coach. He shouldn't be there. Like, no, like, this is this is how kids get better. You tell them they suck. They go back, they watch the film, and then they get better at it. By telling them they're good, everybody's great, you know, nobody's bad, you didn't do anything real. That's how you get this happens. That's how you get this, uh, the, uh, the, right, the there you go, Melga said. But yeah, no, but that's how you get it, because they, they don't know that they bad, right? Like, I. This is the reason why, you know, a lot of people be going to college and be like, the coach told me I sucked. Because you did. <laughs> like, that's the reason why he was not on the team no more. Right? Like, we have come to the point now where you can't even coach and tell people they're bad. Right? Like, you got to let them go get to, like, college, and then they realize, oh, I guess I'm not good at this sport, and then walk away. Like, bro, I'm like, no. This is the reason why that happened. Right? The moment you tell them you suck, oh, you disrespected my kid. He didn't disrespect your kid. He told him it wasn't that good. Because, like, he the best player on his team, but then when he goes to a camp where he has to go against everybody's best player, he realized, damn, I'm not that good. I might want to start taking a different career path, something like that. It's okay. It's okay. But there you go. Knock on some doors. There you go. 
Just don't come to my house Because the Jehovah Witness Came to my house one time And told me like, You know you could live forever Like ma'am I'm black I don't want to live forever in, in the US I ain't got time for all of that You ain't going to be here that much They trying to build a space on the moon I'm like I'm still not going to go on the moon All the rich white people Can leave and go on the moon Alright that's it for me I'm about to hit Shout out to Flint Radio For putting me on Shout out to producing man For producing the show Until next time guys I got two fingers for you Deuces <laughs>